Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. to the Brown and Crippen celebrity line to be joined by our friend and ESPN's Major League Baseball insider and analyst. He is Kylie McDaniel joining us here on the show. Kylie, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you doing today? Always flattered to be on the celebrity line and I'll warn you guys, I'm on the golf course right now, but I'm going to manage all the noise. This is like sort of my off season, even though it's technically in season. That's great. Well, earlier this week, our morning show uh, has Adam Wainwright on every week and he was live from the golf course with Miles Michaelis and we had Michaelis do some play by play for us. So uh, we'll just have you do the same, Kylie. It'll be great. Yeah, my buddy just killed a drive down the middle. So there you go. We're off. We're off and running. It has the same oomph to it as when Miles Michaelis is doing it for Wayno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy's a lot better than me too. So me skipping a hole is not a problem. Kylie McDaniel is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Kylie, you had a great piece earlier this week that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, you ranked all of the teams in terms of what their cores look like over the next few years. No surprise for people here in St. Louis, Atlanta was at number one. But you don't have to drop down very far to get to the Cardinals. They were fourth in your rankings of the best cores for the next few years why do you have them so high expand on that for us yeah it, i mean it, it's i would say somewhat objective process where i just line up all the players that are eligible for people that didn't see the article it's anyone who's under control for this year and the next two years so there's you know guys like uh, Degrom and bogarts and guys that will be free agents uh upcoming years that are really good players that are not eligible so it'll it'll warp a little bit who is a good team right now and who is a good team for this process but I just lined them all up. I, I would put guys into buckets to make it easier to just eyeball it and be like, oh, well, this team has three guys. This team has zero guys at this tier. So they're obviously better. But then, you know, when you get teams next to each other, that are very similar. You just sort of bucket them and, and say, like, all right, this guy versus that guy, that guy versus that guy. Who do you want for the next, uh, you know, uh, the rest of this year and two more years? And I, I was a little surprised to see the Cardinals that high. But I also, uh, in, in looking at their eligibility to basically get Juan Soto, realized they have a lot of really good young players. Uh, that their offer would have been as good or close to as good as San Diego, which has been sort of like the high watermark in terms of putting together a good group of young players. Well, and you kind of mentioned the Juan Soto trade there. I think, you know, of course, here in St. Louis, we want to be like, all right, yeah, we have great prospects, but you truly do believe that what the Cardinals have and what they've been able to build and develop in their minor league programs is really continuing to pay off for them, right? Yeah, they've. Uh, I've mentioned it a couple times over the last like six months or so. Uh, but in in doing like my sort of the main part of my job is focusing on the amateur draft, high school, college players. Uh, there are teams that are perceived as being very good at the draft, whether they're you know good scouting and development, and traditional teams like San Diego, or teams that are really good at the model and good at very specific kinds of players like Cleveland is with college pitching. St. Louis is like under the radar. I think now it's probably on the radar, <laughs> but under the radar, been very good at the draft. And if you were to just do like a simple calculation from like how much prospect list value should this pick create and how much has it created, St. Louis may be the best out of the last two or three drafts. They've been doing a very good job. And so they're just at a higher rate than everyone else producing top 100 type talents 
from picks where those guys aren't supposed to be coming from. We're talking to Kylie McDaniel here on 101 ESPN. Kylie, I mentioned this stat the other day, but if you look at players at Jordan Walker's age, 20 years old down in double A, that have a 300 batting average and a 500 slugging percentage, there's only three of them in the last 15 years that have put up those numbers at as young of an age as Jordan Walker is right now. It's it's Walker as being one of them. Mike Trout being another, and then Oscar Tavares is the third. I know we've talked to you about what Jordan Walker projects to be in the past, but given what he's produced so far this season, what are you now anticipating that this guy can ultimately be? Yeah, I mean, the only like limitation keeping him from being in the conversation for will he be the number one prospect in baseball when he's in AAA is does he get called up before he gets to sort of hang out in AAA for a little while and like who, you know, who graduates ahead of him and things like that. And the fact that he is a decent defensive third baseman. And so being a you know, right hit, right throw, not, you know, not an up-the-middle guy, most of the guys at the very top of those lists are you know, Francisco Alvarez of the Mets, catcher, Corbin Carroll with uh, the D-backs, um, center fielder, Gunnar Henderson, shortstop, slash, third base, Anthony Volpe, shortstop. Like, those are the guys that tend to be up there just because the upside is so much higher when you're playing that position. So that holds him down a little bit. But the fact that he could hit 270 with an above-average rock rate and 30 to 40 homers, like, the guys don't look like that at this age at this level. So you're not, like, you're not making it unfair by saying he kind of looks like these sorts of guys statistically by his performance. He also kind of looks like those guys physically in terms of being that elite, being a top 10 prospect in baseball when he's not even at AAA yet, which is, like, pretty rare. So, like, he is in that rare of a company. It's just a question of exactly how much upside is there. What do you make of his buddy, Jordan Walker's buddy as well, Mason Wynn? Wynn has also been in a lot of conversations recently. Justin Turner criticizing him for throwing 100 miles per hour. What do you think of Mason Wynn and just his upside as well? I I was just going to mention him because I believe he's also 20 in AA and putting up some numbers. And he does have that dynamic up the middle, sort of twitchy plus tools more than just sort of hitting power. Uh, I think his power probably plays more like 20, maybe 25 homers in his best season. Uh, but it is rare bat speed. It's like a 95 to 98 mile hour fastball on the mound and like a knockout curveball. Like he's not a pitcher, but like he's one of those guys that is so good that if they want him to throw like an inning every week or two in the big leagues, like he is that good. But he wouldn't just be a mop up guy coming in to eat some innings. He would be coming in and being good. Uh, I don't, I mean, with Otani, you never know if those things are possible. But to give you an idea, like this thing he's second best at he is good enough to be like an eighth or ninth inning reliever, <laughs> but like no one's really been taking that seriously. Um, but yeah, I think he's a guy that could hit, you know, 260, 270. He's probably always going to swing a good bit. So it's not going to be a ton of walks. And the power, like I said, is like anywhere from 15 to 25 homers, depending on exactly how his swing sort of settles. But it is like a twitchy standout runner, defender, thrower. It's like elite, elite at that level, which gives you a lot of margin for error. Hey, Kylie, I've been really fascinated by the philosophy that the Braves have had this year, bringing up multiple players straight from double A. Michael Harris did it earlier in the season to, I mean, really impressive success right away. And then they decided to do it again, right? They have a couple of injuries on the middle infield and you bring up a middle infielder. And so far, he's been tremendous with Grissom uh, performing at a high level. Is this something that you think other teams can follow or was this very unique to these individual players that we saw making this jump with Harris and Grissom to the major league level? I mean, between this and the big league development of like Austin Riley, uh, the Braves are on like an almost unprecedented heater that just every guy they call <laughs> up is a dude. Like Kyle Wright was decent and then bad and then stuck in AAA for a full year. And now he's like a mid rotation starter. Um, they've had a couple guys not work out, and they've generally traded those guys, uh, like Tucker Davidson or Bryce Wilson or whoever it might be. 
So, like, I don't think they can keep this up because no player development group is this good. But I will say the thing that has changed from the last, like, 15 years to the last couple years is the metrics that are available to these teams to tell how good a guy is in double A in terms of like, are they, what is their swing decisions based on what the big league zone is, but in double A against double A pitchers. And then what is their, what is their contact rate in different parts of the zone? What's their exit velo? What's their average exit velo? How often are they hitting it at optimal launch angles? Like this stuff has been available for long enough. Now the teams have confidence in it. And so if you see a guy double A, that's hitting all these markers. Like I know when I was working for a team like five years ago, we had certain things that predicted power based on these numbers that you see with StatCast that only the teams have at the minor league level. It'd be like 30, 40 balls in play. We would know that's how good he was for those 30, 40 balls in play, which, you know, could be two weeks to four weeks, depending on how often he's putting the ball in play. So like sometimes guys can get to double A and be so much better than everyone else. So much better than the surface stats that we get to see in the public that they can feel confident doing that. Whereas in the olden days, it would just sort of be like, well, he's hitting 260 with three homers, but like, I don't know, let's let him just sit at triple A for a little bit. It was just a little more of a gut feel situation. And now it's whatever you might be worried about. You can go back and look at it immediately in video and in data. And so I think a lot of the teams that are a little more progressive in the way that they handle this, like the Braves are, they feel confidence to do stuff that's seemingly bold, but it's not as bold when you have that data. With that in the back of your mind, should it come as a surprise to Cardinals fans if Jordan Walker starts the major league season next year with the big league club? No, because now the incentives are there to call these guys up uh, opening day. And I think we've seen with what the Orioles did with Gunnar Henderson, they would have, you know, in the previous CBA, they would have absolutely waited until 10 games into next year because that's what the, that's what the rules incentivize them to do. And now getting him up on opening day, uh, you get extra draft picks. You think he's going to be a stud, which, like, obviously everybody thinks he's going to be a stud. And the reason Orioles called up Gunnar Henderson is he's now going to get just enough service time that he'll still be rookie of the year eligible next year and still be prospect list eligible. So they basically get, like, a little trial run here during their playoff run, and then they still get all the stuff from calling him up next year, and he would have gotten a full year of service. So, like, what's worked out with the CBA is there's now reason to do what the Orioles are doing with Gunnar Henderson. They're incentivized to do that when you're competing. So I think the incentives are there to call up Jordan Walker if he's having a good spring training. All the time here, it seems to be right. Uh, the incentives are to have him up on opening day. The question really was like him and Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Arenado, Goldschmidt. It's like all the best guys have played two positions. <laughs> if you throw in DH, there's like three spots to put them all. So you basically have to fit these uh, you know, square pegs into round holes. Kylie McDaniels, our guest for another couple of minutes as he is joining us live from the golf course here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Kylie, I did want to ask you about one other prospect that didn't make your list. I, I don't believe in your core rankings, but Tinkens is 20 years old. He is dominating right now, and now he's doing so in Palm Beach. So he's pretty far away right now, technically from the majors, but he's thrown 48 innings this year and he struck out 77 batters. He throws like 96 plus. He's got a wicked curve. Like what? What do you make of Team Kent? And he is now seemingly flying up all of these prospect lists. Yeah, he's comfortably in the top 100. He was one of the guys where, because of the timing, I don't think because he's only thrown, what, like 58 innings in pro yeah. ball so far. And they want to develop as a, as a starter. Like, I think he'll be in double A, triple A by the end of 2024, which is like the, the end of my ranking. So all the high school guys taken in the most recent draft or guys that haven't played a full season in low A, I generally just threw them out because it's like, well, they might come up and be decent or get called up at the end of the season. That is like the, the end of that window. But I don't think you can expect him to be good, which is kind of the, the line that I set. Uh, but I, I think my – I haven't published this far. I published a top 50 uh, about a month ago. He would be probably like 75 on a top 100, which is right where Gordon Graceffo, Alec Burleson, Hens, and there might be one other guy. They're all in that area. Um, so, yeah, he's really good. And, like, the concern is hasn't thrown a lot uh, over the offseason. 
I wrote that the Cardinals told me, like, they basically wanted to monitor the workload, not overdo it. He was a bit of a late bloomer, athlete with a really silky smooth arm, but just hadn't had a lot of innings. So he's just raw, but has all the components for command, the thing you'd be worried about, but also just hasn't racked up innings. You can't expect him to be a mid-rotation starter because he can't throw that many innings uh, in the short term. But as you're saying, it's like four pitches. It's above average to plus with starter command. Really good arm action, really good athlete, throwing strikes. It's all the stuff is shaped well for swings and misses. Like this guy could be, could be, when he's in double A, triple A, one of the top five pitching prospects in baseball. Like he's tracking like that right now. It's just moving a little more slowly than like the guys that are throwing 100 in high school. Those guys are a little further along at the same age than he is. Kylie, final question for you at the big league level, just projecting for the rest of this season. I know you said technically your season is basically over at this point in time, but we're in the stretch run now for Major League Baseball, and the Cardinals have taken off ever since the trade deadline. They're now six and a half games ahead of the Brewers. When you look at them and you compare them to the Braves, the Mets, and the Dodgers, do you put them in that same category, or do you still think that they are a tier below those other three legitimate contenders in the NL? I think they're like a half step behind, but the way that the sort of luck and short um, samples and the way that the playoff works, I wouldn't look at them as any lower odds. I just think they're going to come in with over a full season, not quite the same win total, not quite the same seeding, maybe like one star player short if you like line them up with some of these other teams. Maybe the depth isn't quite as good, like a little bit behind, but in terms of the way the baseball playoffs work, that's, that's essentially nothing. There's almost no difference there. And does Jack Flaherty make up that difference if he comes back and is Jack Flaherty again? There's certainly some variables like that. Like, for a while, it was like, oh, if San Diego can get Fernando Tatis Jr. back, which obviously won't happen, but they had that hanging around out there, and then they added Soto. So, like, that's where they were kind of toasted the town. And it's like, well, the Dodgers have so much depth, and then all of a sudden everybody gets hurt, and all of a sudden they don't have that much depth. So there's still a lot of variables floating around, but they are certainly in that conversation. He's Kylie McDaniel. Find his work over at ESPN.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter as well. He's at KylieMCD. Kylie, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for stepping away from the golf course for a little bit for us. We wish you all the best. We'll talk with you again soon. Yeah, and keep me here on the 16th tee box in your thoughts and prayers. I have not been hitting them straight today. I will do your best, man. We wish you all the best of luck. That's Kylie McDaniel here on 101 ESPN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.